Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrie podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrie, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode and a fresh season of FX Talk. And we're back for season four after a bit of a hiatus over the summer period. It's always good to take a little bit of a break and recharge your batteries during the typically quiet summer period for financial markets. I say typically because the summer has actually been slightly different. We've continued to witness a pretty busy period in FX and financial markets in general. Since our last episode, the US dollar has rallied against almost every other G10 currency, in some instances rather sharply, uh, with a subtle exception of the Swiss franc, which has benefited from the hawkish turn from the Swiss National Bank. The main theme in markets has been one of risk aversion, as investors and economists penciled in weaker growth during the remainder of 2022 and into next year. Market fears surrounding global recession has increased, as inflation continues to remain high and around multi-decade highs in many instances. Energy prices have spiked, particularly in in Europe, although we have seen an easing in natural gas prices in the EU, which is uh, a positive sign. Central banks have also continued to hike interest rates aggressively. Markets have perceived this as another downside risk to growth. Most central banks in the G10 have now raised rates by more than 150 basis points this year, some by more than 200 basis points. Uh, At the time of recording on on Tuesday, we've not yet had the the Federal Reserve or Bank of England meetings for September just yet, but both are expected to raise rates aggressively, and we'll talk about those slightly later on. Uh, By contrast, the Bank of Japan looks set to remain the sole major central bank uh, yet to raise interest rates with another dovish, dovish message expected from the Bank of Japan when it meets on Thursday. So a lot for us to catch up on. uh, And as such, we're going to focus primarily on the G3 currencies today, starting with the US dollar. Uh, Now, as mentioned, the dollar has outperformed pretty much all of its major peers in the last uh, month or two. The US dollar index, which is the dollar weighted against a a basket of currencies, is up around about 5% since the start of July, to just shy of its highest level in 20 years having rallied again following last week's blowout US inflation report, where there were further upside surprises in both the headline and core inflation prints. Uh, But I want to hear from you guys. In your view, what do you think has driven this outperformance in the US dollar since our last podcast episode? Well, I mean, it's it's clear a combination of two factors. The first is that uh, US rates continue to march higher. I mean, uh, a milestone was achieved just now as we speak in that the market is pricing in a peak Federal Reserve rate just above 4.5%, which would have been completely unthinkable uh, just a few months or even weeks ago. Uh, on the back of that, like you mentioned, that that bad inflation report for the, the month of August that erased any any notion that uh, that core inflation, at least in the U.S., may be stabilizing, well, maybe actually trending down. It seems to be stabilizing at a very undesirable level of 6%. Um, as a result, risk assets are selling off, which is providing the second boost to the U.S. dollar, which is uh, uh, safe a flight to safe havens. I will say that uh, that the euro has, and we should talk, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the euro has held up 
the last few days better than most of the currencies and has actually outperformed nearly all of its uh, G10 uh, counterparts except for the, the US dollar. But anyway, those are, those are the two factors that I think are driving this, this dollar rally. Yeah, so it's very clear that the most recent inflation reading from the US has been quite important. Uh, in fact, if we look at the exact changes in the market, the euro dollar has sold off by approximately 2% following the release. We've also seen some of the sharpest uh, declines in risk assets, uh, particularly equities um, that we have seen in months. Uh, looking at the Nasdaq composite, it lost more than 5%. Uh, also, uh, the yields have shot up. Uh, the 10-year yield right now hovering around 3.5%. This is the highest rate uh, since 2011. So we are uh, clearly at historical levels uh, when it comes to U.S. yields, and the market is only expecting the yields to move up and move them move up faster. So I think that uh, this has been uh, by far the most important reason for the U.S. dollar outperformance, uh, at least in the most recent period. Also, another factor uh, that is contributing is, to some extent, I think, is a risk of uh, recession. Uh, if we look at the currency dashboard, the currencies that are outperforming are safe havens, uh, particularly the Swiss franc and the US dollar. If we look on the uh, other side, the underperformers are the high uh, beta currency, those that are the most reactive to shifts in sentiment. Uh, so I think that um, a certain extent of uh, the US dollar strength can also be linked to that. Uh, we have uh, right now uh, saw some easing of worries about Europe. However, we are still heading for a slowdown in Europe, in the US, practically everywhere. Uh, in case of uh, China, uh, we also had an increase in worries uh, about the country. The zero COVID uh, still is in place uh, and it uh, poses a risk to economic prospects. So I think that uh, part of the part of the um, US dollar outperformance can be also linked to the risk of recession. Yes, I think I agree with both of you guys. I mean, we really are seeing a, a confluence of factors really that have contributed to this stronger dollar. You know, as you mentioned, Roman, we've got increased safe haven flows. The dollar and the the franc, the two sort of chief safe haven currencies at the moment, have been the best performers. Markets are concerned about the possibility of slower growth during the remainder of the year. Um, central banks have continued to revise lower their GDP forecast for this for 2022, and we expect uh, the Fed and the Bank of England to do the same. Um, the upcoming meetings uh, and inflation continues to remain high and that's causing uh, a bit of a headache and a concern for markets as well. Uh, that blowout US inflation report um, was, was a bit of a surprise and, and markets now see another 75 basis point hike from the Fed this this, uh, this week. Good chance they could signal uh, even more aggressive hikes uh, at upcoming meetings. I think the dot plot um, will be key, um, not just the median dot for the end of this year, but also uh, where Fed members expect the terminal rate uh, to be, um, I think will be a, a, a big consideration. Um, but, but what do you guys think um, about Thursday's Fed meeting? Do you expect any surprises and how do you think the dollar could potentially react um, following the, the announcement? Uh, well, the the barrier for is very high for the Fed. The markets are expecting... Uh, definitely a 75% uh, uh, 0.75% hike. There's uh, over, right now a 25% chance pricing of, uh, I believe, of 100, of an unprecedented 100 basis point hike. Um, the, 
markets are convinced that the message will be unmistakably hawkish after that inflation report that Roman described well. Uh, so I think that we may, there's, there's a good chance we get the counter trend uh, sell off in the dollar because uh, the expectations, the threshold for surprising the market on the hawkish side is impossibly high. Um, if we get, as we expect, 75 basis points only and, and just a similar message to, to the last meeting, which is that the Fed remains squarely focused on inflation, etc. I don't know if that's going to be enough to validate the market hawkish expectations. So we may see a, a rally in, in currencies like the euro and sterling, because also positioning seems to be very stretched. Uh, the level of bearish consensus and bullish consensus of the dollar that I'm seeing in the market is, is very high. And that usually sets up markets for counter-trend um, market moves. Yeah, I think they are going to hike by 75 basis points. Um, I, I don't see why they would uh, opt for a 100 basis point increase, considering the risk to the U.S. economy, considering that the U.S. is already in a technical recession and the current economic data actually is quite blurry. So we are we don't fully understand uh, what is the situation in the U.S. economy. Uh, we had quite conflicting prints from the ISM and from the S&P regarding business activity. Mm, so I don't think that it warrants a caution to hike by less than 75 basis point. However, considering that nobody at this point seems to doubt Fed's credibility and uh, also determination mm, to fight inflation, I don't see why they would need to go with a 100 basis point interest rate hike. So uh, I would assume that we might see some dollar weakness, considering that it is partly priced in approximately 20-25% right now. I think that the attention should be uh, squarely on the dot plot, but also economic forecasts would be interesting, particularly what the Fed thinks about uh, growth and unemployment rate in 2023, in my opinion. And this is something that I think maybe uh, is not uh, as much of a market focus right now, but I think that in time, markets are going to be increasingly more focused about the econ economic prospects uh, of the U.S., and also uh, about the uh, and focused on um, whether the US would want to cut interest rates or keep them stable uh, throughout the entire 2023 i think that the uh, next uh, important thing that investors would want to debate or, or uh, concentrate on uh, is is exactly that fantastic excellent i think we move on now and talk about our second main topic which is uh, is based on the euro um now one of the main stories that we've seen in financial markets and the FX market in the last couple of months or so has been the, the drop below parity in euro dollar for the first time since December 2002. Um, the euro dollar pair briefly fell below this key psychological level in mid-July um, and then spent most of sort of late August, early September either hovering around the parity level or just below it. Actually, though, and we mentioned earlier, the euro has outperformed most of its peers um, in the last month or two and actually has been the best performer in the G10 in the last month, um, rallying even against uh, the, the broadly stronger US dollar. Uh, since our last episode, um, the ECB, European Central Bank, has, has raised interest rates again, this time by 75 basis points after investors were, were pretty much torn down the middle between whether we get a 50 or 75 basis point move the euro didn't receive too much support um, following the announcement, certainly not as much as one would expect, uh, as President Lagarde appeared to rule out uh, another 75 basis point hike 
only to be corrected by ECB sources after the meeting once again. Uh, the result is the markets are, are, are once again unsure as to the size of the next move at the ECB's October meeting, and the debate is likely to once again centre around whether we'll get a 50 or a 75 basis point hike. Uh, but again, I'm keen to hear the thoughts from both of you. Why do you think we've seen this outperformance in the euro uh, in the past couple of months? Well, I think the main reason is, uh, frankly, the interest rates. Um, the Federal Reserve and rates in the U.S. are getting a lot of attention, but uh, it's worth pointing out that this interest rate gap, one-year interest rate gap between the U.S. and the Eurozone has not really gone anywhere since March. We've been like six months without it uh, getting any higher. Uh, the ECB is sounded more and more hawkish. So the that the, the, the first factor uh, supporting the euro is that the interest rate gap is no longer widening and is in fact shrinking in some in some aspects. And the second is uh, a general easing of the energy crisis, not the crisis, but at least the panic, the crisis that you can see in gas natural prices, which are still very high, but but well off um, the, the panic highs that we saw a few weeks ago. Power prices have also gone down by electricity prices one month and one year forward have also gone down by about 50%. And something that we're starting to see is that good news from the front in Ukraine seems to be supportive for the euro. Um, I mean, I was watching very closely the the opening of, uh, of the euro dollar exchange rate on Sunday night after the successful Ukrainian offensive in, in Kharkiv. And clearly, the markets liked it. Market, markets uh, thought that uh, positive uh, news from the front of Ukraine are possibly for the for the common currency. That's an interesting development to watch. If the euro becomes increasingly correlated, the successes in the battlefield of the Ukrainian army. Yeah, I, I would agree that uh, the most important for the euro's outperformance uh, was the monetary policy shift. Uh, right now, we are seeing that the European Central Bank is getting more aggressive than uh, I think anybody could believe uh, even a half a year ago. So this certainly has contributed to um, its resilience. Um, also, uh, the energy crisis. Right now, we are seeing declines in uh, natural gas prices or at least stabilization. And uh, this happened after uh, Russia cut off gas uh, flow uh, through Nord Stream 1. So I think that's uh, certainly also a positive. Uh, I don't see um, any more uh, doom and gloom uh, headlines about the energy situation. Certainly, uh, this will uh, influence the economic situation in a negative way. However, the expectations of a very rapid deterioration and a significant recession um, seem to be no longer there, or they have eased significantly. So I think that this is also uh, very important. Uh, it will also uh, work in a number of ways. So we are not going to see, because of that, as significant uh, deterioration in the terms of trade, current account deficit, which fundamentally should be supportive for the euro, but also a prospect for a smaller deceleration is certainly positive as well. Uh, with regard to Ukraine, this was quite interesting because uh, what happened was uh, practically a, a blitzkrieg, one could say, uh, with the pace of the advances uh, of Ukrainian armed forces uh, in near Kharkiv. 
and uh, this uh, this actually contributed somewhat to the euro strength uh, and generally sentiment towards europe uh, right now i think that there has been a shift in mindset of people who are uh, watching the events uh, in ukraine in that it is n- no longer implausible to think about ukraine retaking the uh, territories that were occupied since 2014 so uh, Donbass, but also Crimea. Uh, this is quite interesting. And also the uh, current progress of Ukraine's armed forces uh, makes it more likely that the war uh, will uh, end sooner. Uh, obviously, we are not talking here about weeks or months, uh, at least not uh, the nearest ones. And nonetheless, I think that mm, there has been some shift in sentiment that has been linked to, to that. Uh, and also, if you look at economic data from the Eurozone, it, it hasn't been actually uh, underperforming. Uh, if we look at the, the PMI numbers, we compare the US and the Eurozone. The Eurozone actually fares better looking at the uh, data from the S&P. Uh, if we look at the labor market in the eurozone, labor market is quite strong. So uh, I don't see a, a very significant deterioration here. And I think that um, there were worries that the situation at this point could also be uh, much worse than it is. Yeah, and a, n- a number of good positive reasons there to be optimistic on the euro. I, mean, I think you've touched on quite a, a few good ones. Um, for, for me, I think the developments in energy markets uh, have been key. Um, you know, headlines of women saying has been been quite concerning, um, particularly the, the closure of the Nord Stream One gas pipeline. But Mark has actually appeared satisfied, at least that the European nations um, uh, are in a good position to sort of solve the energy supply shortages over the winter. Natural gas prices have actually dropped very sharply back to July levels, um, and we're very much seeing a, a, an inverse relationship between EU energy prices. And the euro at the moment, so so partly why um, we have seen that outperformance in the common currency. Uh, we'll move on now and finish with our spotlight currency for the week, which has once again been voted uh, for by our, our followers on LinkedIn. This week we're going to focus on a currency that's very close to my heart, at least, and that is the pound, um, as voted for by around sixty-five percent on you on of you on LinkedIn, and and thanks uh, to all of you, of those of of you that took the time to reply to our, our poll, we appreciate it. Um, now, it's been a, a very hectic period in the UK, to say the least. Um, obviously, news headlines in the past two weeks or so have been quite rightly dominated by the pass- passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, the impact on markets from the news has, however, been minimal, as, as you would expect, uh, with investors instead focusing on UK recession concerns, Bank of England monetary policy, and the government's response to tackle the ongoing energy crisis and cost of living crisis. Uh, The Bank of England is expected to raise interest rates by another 50 basis points on Thursday, though we don't rule out a 75 basis point move. The UK government has also announced a massive fiscal spending package of approximately £100 billion uh, designed to cap energy prices um, over the next two years. Those two developments would ordinarily be seen uh, as bullish for sterling, but the pound uh, has failed to capitalise against the dollar. Uh, sterling is now at its lowest level um, since 1985, currently around about the 114 level, um, as markets fear um, about a possible recession in the UK. 
Um, but I think the big question for both of you is, is Sterling a buy, sell or a hold opportunity at current levels? What do you both think? Okay, my view, uh, there's some clear issues in the UK economy, uh, a significant terms of trade hit from uh, the higher energy and commodity prices in general, and uh, the, the cost of living crisis, which is leading households to cut back expenses in real terms. But whatever case that you can make about uh, the UK, you can make a case that uh, that all European currencies, uh, most European currencies are going to be even more affected by uh, by those those two problems. And at least in the UK, uh, the Bank of England seems to have reacted quicker than, almost, than any other European central bank. And now uh, rates in the UK are expected to peak close to 4.5%, which is for the first time you have a significant rate protection built into the currency. If you add to that rate protection, the fact that the sterling has been beat up so badly against European currencies, I would say sterling is a buy. Yeah, I would largely agree with that. Uh, it, it is so weak right now that it appears that the only way for the currency is to go up. And obviously, uh, it, at any time, this can be like catching a falling knife. Uh, however, uh, I think that um, if we see the US dollar coming down, uh, as we expect, uh, then I think that sterling would probably be one of the first currencies to benefit. So uh, for me, it would be either a hold or a weak buy. We're all in a, a, at least a bit of agreement there. I, th- I think for sterling, sterling for me, it remains a, a, a pretty strong buy. And I've been really surprised by the extent of the move lower in the pound. Um, you know, on the one hand, the Bank of England has continued to remain very hawkish. As we said, rates look set to rise above 4% next year, which would be among the highest in the G10. I also think recession concerns are overdone, uh, particularly given the announcement from the UK government. They'll be freezing energy prices over the next two years. Um, for me, this is, this is key. Rising energy bills uh, are the biggest risk to UK growth, in my opinion, in the next 12 months or so. Uh, and with bills frozen at current levels, I don't think the downturn will be anywhere near as bad uh, as some of the market fears. Uh, and this should be a positive for sterling. Um, obviously, the funding of this fiscal spending is a concern. Um, that's capping uh, gains for the pound at the moment. Uh, personally, I think a combination of a windfall tax and fiscal stimulus may have been a better option. But I still think that the pound should be trading at higher levels uh, as a result. Um, so for me, still a, a pretty solid buy opportunity for the, for the pound. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit eBreeze website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.